I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World. The chimes of Big Ben are an iconic sound of London, a sound embedded in the history of the British capital. Big Ben itself was made in a bell foundry that's more than four centuries old. This year, the foundry is experiencing a bit of a renaissance, as the world's Laura Lynch reports from London. No prizes for guessing the first thing you hear upon entering the Whitechapel Bell Foundry. The entryway has a replica of a cross-section of Big Ben, more than six feet tall and more than nine feet wide. It was created right here in 1858, but the foundry's history is much older than that, boasts managing director Alan Hughes. The fact that we've been doing this in the east end of London for well over 400 years means that we must be doing something right. On the somewhat grimy foundry floor itself, the men who craft the bells hew to ancient traditions, shoveling a pile of what looks like black dirt into a giant mixmaster. Nigel Taylor knows the list of ingredients well. This is the loam, and the loam is made up chiefly of yellow London clay and goat's hair, horse manure, <laughs> sand, and, and some straw. There's horse manure in there? Yes. Only a very small quantity, but yes, it's, it, it is there. <laughs> and how old is this recipe? Oh, well, the recipe is, well, certainly well over a 1,000 years old. The monks in England used to, they recommended wild boar manure because there were plenty of wild boar available at that time. Uh, now there are a few wild boar, but not enough. So we moved on to horse manure. Taylor knows just the right amount of water to mix with the loam and just the right mix of molten copper and tin that will be poured over the mold to make a bell. He's been a bell founder for three decades after deciding against a career as a tax inspector. He knows the intricacies that go into creating a bell that will ring loud and proud for centuries. Big Ben, Taylor sniffs, not even remotely worth all the fuss. Um, Big Ben is famous for, because, because of its sound, but there's no way you would describe it as a fine-toned bell. It's just a large bell. So do you cringe when you hear it ring? I've got used to it, <laughs> as the world has got used to it. But, but you wouldn't describe that as a fine-toned bell. What gets Taylor and the other workers here much more excited are the two special commissions they're working on this year. This week, they're putting the finishing touches on a series of eight bells to be rung as part of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee River Pageant. They're named after senior members of the royal family, with Elizabeth, the largest, and Henry, Prince Harry's formal name, the smallest. They'll be ringing out across the Thames in June as they float downriver on a specially built tower atop a barge leading a flotilla of a thousand boats. And then there's that other bell. A very big bell. You're having quite a year here. There's a, there's a project that you're not allowed to say much about, but there is another project. Well, there is. I mean, we have this thing called the Olympic Games, which has to be somewhere, and we're better than London. And if it's going to be London, we're better in the, than the East End of London, which is the greatest part of London. I mean, we're in the East End, so it has to be the greatest part of London. And in fact, the, the, um, the Olympic site is only five miles from here. So, yeah, we're, we're providing um, a bell... Um, for the Olympics, and, uh, which is incredible. And, no, I can't say much about it, but we are incredibly excited. In fact, Olympic officials have released some details. At 27 tonnes, it will be the largest bell in Europe, twice the size of Big Ben, and it will be rung at the very opening of the Games. It will also be inscribed with a quote from Shakespeare's The Tempest, 
Be not afeard, the aisle is full of noises. Alongside these two high-profile commissions, the foundry workers are busy with dozens of other bells destined for churches and city halls, along with smaller bells for town criers, bell choirs, and pubs who need to signal last call. For the men who make them, there's an enduring pride and a sense of history. They crafted the Liberty Bell here, and Nigel Taylor won't hesitate to defend the work of his foundry forefathers. Apparently it had a very rough crossing, and we think they clocked it. That is, they tied a rope to the clapper and pulled the clapper up onto the bell and held the clapper against the bell, which damped the sound, and eventually it cracked, and it was recast locally. And the present bell is a very poor casting. It's riddled with flaws, and, of course, inevitably, it cracked. So it's not your fault? No, not our fault. During the royal wedding last year, the bells of Westminster Abbey pealed across London as the ceremony ended. Among them are two bells that were cast in the foundry in 1583. Alan Hughes says that demonstrates what a strange business he's in. A product well made may never need to be replaced. In a sense, a bell is like a wine glass in that it's, it's very brittle which means if you treat it badly, um, it might only last 30 seconds. But if you treat it well and carefully, it will last forever. For the Whitechapel foundry, business is good. The oldest manufacturer in all of Britain is in the midst of a bit of a bell-building boom. And that is reason enough for them to smile when the chimes ring out this summer. For The World, I'm Laura Lynch in London. See the Queen's Diamond Jubilee bells being forged in London and visit the foundry floor at the Whitechapel Bell Foundry. You can see a slideshow and video at theworld.org.